Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly vaulting Elliot Chibley. Did you say so, vaulting? Vaulting, yes. Do you, okay. want, you want do you want a definition? I I do. Yes. Okay. So the definition of vaulting is to, and then I got to pop up. Hold on one second. The definition of vaulting is excessive in ambition or presumption, overweening, high flown. Okay. Is that, is that a good thing? Yes. That sounds like I, one of those weaknesses that you'd list in an interview. <laughs> excessive in ambition. Yeah, I could, I guess, be a negative. It depends on what the situation. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, we are the Traveler's Blueprint. And each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our very own personal travel experiences. And this month in our Travel Bites episode, we've got uh, what you need to know about traveling with marijuana, with all the news that's been going on with Brittany. Uh, we decide to bring some of that up inside the States and traveling internationally. We talk about air tags and how police were able to use them, why it's important for kids to travel. Obviously, we know why, but we found yet another article that is very supportive of this. And then we actually get into the age kids should have to pay for their own costs and vacations. So if you're a parent that has a teen that is coming to their own, well, we'll give you the answer. Uh, we talk about TSA and why no more boarding passes may be needed depending on the airport. We talk about a Greek restaurant that, you know, has been scamming people quite a bit over the last few years. We talk about new rules in airlines and making it easier to get refunds. And then our last article is about a passenger getting fined in Australia for bringing a certain food item in. And travel tip of the week, if using a car, take pictures of the location of your car in a parking garage or screenshot your location if parking on the street. And I mean, you can use this pretty much anywhere if you're going to be gone for a long period of time, like at an airport. I do it at the airport at a train all the time. Station. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. really helpful that way. And you can also like drop a pin where it was in your I do GPS. That as well. Yeah, and yeah. It's... It just saves you a bunch of headache when you come back and you're looking for it or just what, like note the section number that you parked in. Yeah. If I'm in a parking garage, I'll either take a picture of like, you know how they, they'll plaster on the side of pillars, yeah. the location, or when you get to the elevator, normally there's an identifier that of at least the floor you're on. And I snap a picture of that just to remember, because I've, I've done, I've, you know, forgotten multiple times, but one, one specifically, I was leaving Atlantic city uh, after a heavy night of partying could not remember where I parked. I did not do it. I was young at this point, you know, I'm in my early twenties <laughs> and spent maybe uh, an hour, hour and a half walking up and down the parking garage, hitting the panic button, trying to find my car before I could go home. Was and it so even that, in the garage? It was in the garage okay. and that was lesson learned. And it was, it was, I was in Atlantic city for the night before Thanksgiving. You know how that's a big party night. Yeah. So it's Thanksgiving morning that I'm stuck in Atlantic City, wow. you know, trying to get home to hang out with my family and lesson learned, you know, yeah. early twenties is the time to, to classic make party, Bob. <laughs> right. Yeah. To make those mistakes. And, and now I'm asleep by nine o'clock on Thanksgiving Eve, wow. you know, so time, times, have, times have, changed. have changed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Before we get started, if you like this podcast and you find us interesting and you find our topics interesting, please consider giving us a review on iTunes or any other platform. And if you love us, We'd be forever grateful if you could subscribe to the show and share some of our posts from social media with your friends, family, and even some coworkers. And remember, we do post clips and images of these podcasts to our Instagram, Facebook, and other social media. So we encourage you to give us feedback and any suggestions for future conversations. Lastly, please consider some of the awesome travel products we offer.
How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be planned efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah, and now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel roundtable discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Okay, so this is one that's quite confusing. With the difference in regulations among states throughout the country, can you fly with marijuana? Um, it's completely legal in, I think, 13 states. And either only medicinally legal or outlawed altogether in, in, in the remaining states. So the, the, the basic, you know, broken down... Um, it is still federally illegal to fly with marijuana. That's the that's the law. It's a federal law. You cannot fly with marijuana. That being said, if you're flying out of states where it is legal, like New Jersey, New York, California, Colorado, they're not looking for it. So if you have small amounts of marijuana, they find it by accident because you know there was something else suspicious in your bag they're still obligated to call the police because it's a federal law. So the TSA follows federal laws. They'll call the local police. The local police will come to the airport and assess the situation in accordance with local laws. So if you're in California where it's completely legal, the TSA will report it. The California police, you know, it's just LA, whatever, will show up and they'll determine that it it's legal there. They'll take it from you. They won't allow you to fly with, fly with it 
but you won't get in trouble and you can go about your day, go on your flight and, and go to where you want to go. If you were in, let's say, Dallas, where it is completely illegal, you would be arrested in accordance with whatever the regulate the state laws are for weed in Texas. And let's clarify, this is THC. So Texas is does allow CBD. Sorry, yeah. CBD with THC only. There, yeah, there is differences there. Um, and like it, it, the vape pens are very popular and the gummies are very popular. So it's, I'm not saying break the law, but I don't think anybody's testing these vape pens. If you get caught with a vape pen and I, how would they determine that it's THC versus nicotine? Or if you well, have gummies dogs. that are do- the dogs. Yeah. Okay. They, I that's, guess. that's most of the way they, they find it because they're not searching for it. But if they have one of the, the sniffer dogs, um, they'll, they can point it out. Yeah. So from what I understand, if you're flying from New Jersey or New York to LA, you don't have to worry about it. Both States are technically, um, it's legal. And again, you could still get in trouble for it, but you won't get arrested. They'll take it from you, but you'll still be able to board your flight. So you could try, like if it's something that you really need for back pain or whatever reason, my anxiety, um, it might be worth it to try. (laughs) And again, uh, to be clear, you're going to break federal law. Um, And even to fly from a, jury, a state where it's legal to a state where it's illegal, when you land in that state where it's illegal, they're not obviously checking your bags. You're just deboarding and going about your day. So it's extremely unlikely that you would get caught with with weed. Now, you brought you did illegally bring it into a state where it's illegal, so you're breaking the law several yeah. in several areas. But yeah, so just know when in doubt, uh, follow federal law. And I think it's actually up to 19 states that are fully legalized now. And there are still four states that are fully illegal, including South Carolina, Kansas, Wyoming, and Idaho. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's pretty, it's it's not that confusing, but there are, there's a lot of gray areas. A lot of gray area. It's not black and white yet. Right. Okay. Uh, next one. Air yeah. Tags, so saving the day. I, yeah, air tags. I I've heard of a lot of not just air tags, but like tile, all of these GPS tracking chips that you can add to either your luggage, your wallet, your keys to help you find them if they're lost. Most of those are just like short range, and they use Bluetooth. But this lady, and actually this occurred twice. This lady put one of these air tags in her suitcase when she was traveling, and it had the suitcase had fifteen thousand dollars worth of jewelry in it, so it makes sense that she would want to track it, and it never appeared on the luggage carousel. So they the officers actually started looking into it, and they found the missing items using the air tag that the traveler had placed in her bag, and it was located in Mary Esther, Florida, via the Find My app, and. It was a subcontractor working at VPS, which is the Destin Fort Walton Beach Airport. And they had removed the air tag when going through the victim's suitcase and then ended up finding where the air tag was removed and locating the employee. Yeah, pretty great. I, I'm going to buy a few. It, it's, I mean, this is a pretty straightforward article. There's really not a lot to break down. What is sort of, always confusing to me is how someone who has a career or job making decent money would be willing to throw it away all away for you know fifteen thousand dollars yeah it it's it seems like it seems very short-sighted because that fifteen thousand dollars is not by any means going to change your life in all that you know in, in any significant way i'm assuming that person's making more than that in a year um 
Yep. And so to throw it all away and have to lose your job, go to jail, pay fines for $15,000, it just doesn't make sense. But I guess that's the reason I'm not a criminal. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Probably, Bob. Yeah. Uh, so there is an alternative and there's a bunch out there. One of the ones that we highlighted is the Tracky GPS tracker. And it's this one is actually more so if you're traveling internationally a lot and if you have like important items that you want to keep track of or that you are... It may just be sentimental, but this thing is relatively the same price as the AirTag, but it is, you can track it worldwide, anywhere, at any time, and it can last up for up to like 10 months if you're only tra tracking the location once a day. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, pretty insane. You, they do require a subscription though, which I think is either 20 bucks a month or 10 bucks a month if you have an annual or multi-year subscription. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's important. I, I would look into the options with that, but I, I'm definitely going to get a few for yeah. my bag and my family's bags. Yeah, yeah. I think the tile, the tile one would have <clears> helped <throat> you uh, when you were trying to find your car on Thanksgiving Eve. Leaving it in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they the didn't exist, by the way. That's true. They, that's yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. next one is why it's so important for kids to travel, according to experts. And this is interesting. So it's just another confirmation of the things that we've highlighted in the podcast over the last four years, things that we like to discuss in our travel bites and with guests. But even with young kids, and Bob, I think you can attest to this with taking Gia to Italy last year, is that even if they're young, the things and the experiences still hold in their mind. The learning mm -hmm. that they had gone through still stays with them now they might not remember specifically what happened and what they did but the other things stay with them yeah so i i i can speak to this and i am a believer my wife and i are both believers in uh, getting our kids a variety of experiences even the minute so um oh i know that there's a lot of people out there that might want to leave their kids at home for a lot of reasons because it's just easier i like i take my daughter to the grocery store even though it's a lot harder and she sees all of the cookies and stuff and yells for them. I believe in by doing that, she's going to get used to being outside in that way and get used to the grocery store. So that's just one example. When you bring when you bring kids on the road and they're hearing new languages, uh, they're seeing different infrastructure, um, different uh, types of uh, food, just go down the list. They're going to, um, develop in a way where they, I guess, are more empathetic and more understanding of differences among people and cultures and, and the ways of doing things. Um, it's, it's so important to me that I, that I do this with my children and sort of lay a foundation of, of a variety of experiences just yeah. so they can then sort of bring it in internally and articulate their own world philosophy. And then they yeah. can form their own opinions of things because they have so much more information to do so. Yeah. And it, it tends to normalize certain things like travel becomes normalized when they do it at a young age and it doesn't yes. become something that's an, a novelty when they do it for the first time at like 12. Yeah. And, and, and one of the, the arguments that I've heard personally, actually, and was addressed in this article is that they're not going to remember. So I've had friends come to me and say, um, I'm just going to wait until my kids are old enough to remember the trip before I take them internationally. 
And that's a good point like that you do want them to remember. In my mind, I'm going to do that as well. <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm going to do it now while they can't remember or they won't remember the specific memories. And then, and then also as they get older, obviously. But what they are taking with them are the things that I just sort of listed out. And again, like those, those small things build a foundation for them to perceive the world in their own way and make their own opinions. And it's, it's so, it's so important for development to get all those different experiences and meet new people. And it's, it's for everybody. That's why we travel so great, even for adults, because it changes your perception and and then your understanding and you become more empathetic and, it just it just makes thinking so one of the things that I, i'm really glad they pointed out in this article is and this is the quote from levy is that we know that in terms of language babies perceive sounds differently from adults right uh, uh babies can basically perceive and make any kind of sound because they don't have our language built in like our individual language like english built in so when they travel to a country that has a different language say italy they can perceive those and distinguish those sounds differently and it can actually start to make those sounds. Mm-hmm. And it it significantly helps them later in life with learning new languages. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. And there are ways to beef up the activity associated with travel where you're not just bringing them through the adult boring motions because it is it is a challenge to keep children's attention while on the road and some of the games that were listed in this article were things like put, making a, like a treasure hunt out of it which my daughter loves like she's we're big into i spy already she's four and we play i spy hey, my wife loves time. treasure hunts Who yeah doesn't? treasure hunts and so it's a matter of hey like well, you know let's go here you already probably know what what you may be able to find and you look for it together and it is just increases the engagement your child has in in seeing things and ah i love it it's it's yeah it's a, a very high on the priority list for me and my family yep so rolling that into the next one yep when does the kids start to pay their fair share for travel now in this article they did a survey and it was a financial survey i associated with when you stop supporting your child as they turn into an adult so it was very broad and it was it was across the board but there was a specific question sorry to interject but i think this is very specific to times right now as millennials and gen z's are so our generation is is heavily relying on our parents support because of you know crushing student debt um tough job markets that kind of thing inflation yeah the whole deal yeah it's not an easy time to just to be just starting out that's for sure not the easiest of times. No. Um, so the article ended up finding that 20 was what, then this was a survey. So they went around and asked uh, 2,500 adults. I'm sorry, 2,500. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. 2,500 people, adults, including 890 adults with at least one child, 18 or older. Um, and 20, 20 years old ended up being the age that they said that the child should start paying their fair share. What do yeah. you think, Elliot, personally? No, I, I agree. I think Amanda and I have a a thought that as soon as our kids get into college, that if they want to travel, they then that's going to be on them. Interesting. So, so um, if they're in college, though, it will be much harder for them to have a job that pays for travel. Well, I think I think part of that is if they want to if they want to do a study abroad or if they want to take like a a week long service learning trip somewhere, then they can either roll that into their their school loans because a study abroad would be part of that, 
or they can get a summer job or work through college. Because, I mean, we, we intend to assist them with their post-high school degrees if they pursue them, but mm-hmm. we're not going to, we're going to give them kind of an ultimatum. We have that decided internally what that is, but, you know, college tuition is going to change over the next 18, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think 20 is a good year. 20 is a good age. I know that we are going to bring our kids on vacation. And if at any point they want to stop, we're not going to force our kids to go on vacation if they don't want to and they're old enough to say no, which in the travel groups that I'm in, I see so many times where parents are complaining like they can't believe that their kid doesn't want to go to the south of France for vacation. You know, but in typical teenager fashion, they'd rather stay home with their friends. And so I'm expecting that, you know, we're going to ask our kids to go wherever in the world and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to want to stay home. But, um, yeah, I think 16 might be that age where I, I and again, I have no idea this could change. I am a long ways away from a 16 year old kid, but You're only 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Don't remind me. I'm already, <laughs> my kids go into pre-K next week and it's, yeah, it's very upsetting yeah. and happy at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Twenty it seems is. like a good age. Yeah, you let us know what you think. Um, <laughs> so just to to round that out, the statistic that we saw in the article is that fifty percent of Americans say they have sacrificed or are sacrificing their own retirement savings in order to help their adult children financially. Yeah, that's not happening in my house. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. 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 All right. right. So this next article, (laughs) this is a good one for domestic travel, at least that TSA is dramatically expanding their new airport screening system, which would basically eliminate the need for boarding passes to be scanned at security checkpoints from TSA. And this is kind of, it's nice and it, it may not change things drastically, but the, the main takeaway from this is that TSA boarding pass exchange takes, you know, around a minute but this would reduce it to even less so it could save up to 10 minutes for example 10 minutes in a line of 60 people yeah i welcome it anything that speeds up the process a little bit is also is is, is something that I, I look forward to i've already experienced this they're trying at at least one area one gate in philadelphia international airport I walked up, was surprised to see that they did not need, they, were, they weren't taking 40 passes. She asked for my license. She plugged it into the computer and it confirms my boarding pass. And I was on my way very quickly. Um, we should note that you still do need a boarding pass, whether it's on your phone or in paper form to get onto the plane. So <clears throat> at the boarding gate itself, you do still need a boarding pass again, but that's just for some, because there are the ones that are rolling out the picture the picture um, option where you stand in front of the camera and they just quickly match your face to the passport. So at some point soon, I, I'm imagining that boarding passes will no longer be a thing. They'll become obsolete. You'll essentially book your flight. You'll show up to the airport. You'll show your license. You'll They'll scan your face and you'll get on your airplane. Yep. Yeah. So it's now in 175 airports, up okay. 50% from last year. Okay, cool. Uh, travel scams. They are yeah. abundant. Common. Yes. Um, this one specifically, we're going to Greece and some Canadian toy or tourists, toyists, toyists, <laughs> toyists. We're at a, a restaurant called DK Oyster. I've never heard of it. Apparently it's popular if you're traveling in Greece. I, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's popular. 
Well, it's, they're labeling it as Greece's notorious DK oyster. Yeah, notorious It's isn't a good thing. no, unless you're big. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, and it did you did we mention that it's Mykonos, which is one I of did those not classic mention that it was Mykonos. classic No. Greek islands that is very heavily touristed. Yeah. So they charged someone, a couple, a Canadian couple, $600 for two beers, two martinis, and a dozen oysters. How crazy is that? Yeah, pretty crazy. And so what happened was they sat down. The Canadian couple is claiming that they were sort of pushed to order these things without a menu. And so I guess it was a situation where the waiter came around, rattled off the specials, rattled off what they had, pushed them to get these beers. The beers showed up and they were massive. I think they were boots. Yep. They they actually they gave them the DOS boot. And so um without having known the prices. Now, any reasonable person would not assume that what they ordered was going to be six hundred dollars. Yeah, nor would you assume that you'd order when you order a beer, you are expecting a 12 to 16 ounce pint, not a 30 ounce boot. Right, right. Um, this is not the first time that this place has done it. So they argued it and then ultimately said that like a bunch of big men came and sort of Yep. intimidated them into paying before they left and they caved and they paid it and they went on their way. And then I guess they called the media in some way and, and made it aware. This company has 2.5 out of five stars uh, off of 1500 reviews. And this is, so this isn't the first time this has happened. And apparently if you read the reviews, I didn't actually do that. You'll see that repeatedly that this has happened to customers going to this restaurant. Yeah. So we've mentioned this before. Reviews are very helpful. Yes. Yes. And now I think this was a situation where the couple was walking by and that's, I guess, how they're getting people just through foot traffic Yeah. because anybody that would go on and see these reviews, I can't imagine would actually sit down here. They're, those reviews that we, that I just referred to are on TripAdvisor. Um, and one of the reviews was they were charged $570 for a beer and an Aperol spritz and a dozen oysters. Um, Yeah. this is So the funny part. Yeah, go ahead. just to just to add to that, so the the Google reviews have it at two point one stars and almost nineteen hundred reviews. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I don't understand how they could possibly be in business. It has to be through maybe older people who aren't looking like we do online for reviews and foot traffic. Well, this couple Um, was thirty. I mean, they they were just on yeah. the way back. They wanted to stop, and I mean. I can tell you from our experience in Marrakesh, the market, those, as a tourist, you are bombarded with people trying to get you to sit down and Yeah. not give you menus and just tell you, hey, this is what you're going to have. Yeah. The, 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 the restaurant owner, which is hilarious, is acknowledging all the bad reviews and saying that they're all false. Yeah. They're all, they're all made up. Yeah. Fake news. Fake Um, news. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Elliot, so we did have a similar situation in Marrakech where we sat down in the market. Walking through that market was hard to do without being, I mean, you can't do it without being Accosted. bombarded by people asking you to sit down at their restaurants. We finally did it really for the experience of it. Neither of us were, you know, really into it all that much. We sat down and I remember as we sat down and ordered our food, I started to notice the people around us getting angry about their bills. Yep. Uh, there was a couple behind you. Um, they all like Europeans 
or, or, or Americans or Canadians, like tourists. definitely tourists yeah. who were getting mad. Then there was a family behind us who were locals. And I noticed that there was nothing. I don't know if you remember that. There was like an older woman with some children. They just got up and went on their way. No big deal. Um, So we fought it. We fought the bill. I don't remember what it was. I remember it was more than the fine dining experience we had for dinner the night before. And all yeah. we ordered was a few kebabs, uh, like some potatoes and like vegetables, very minimal street food that you would get that would cost, you know, $10 in the United States. They were charging maybe like 30 or $40. I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't remember specifically. No, it, it was something along those lines. It was a lot. Yeah. And we went, ended up just giving them what, like half of that or a quarter and walked away. Yeah. We gave what we thought was appropriate and fair. They pushed back for a little bit and then eventually just said, okay, go on your way. I kind of knew that they were going to let us go because of the tour situation, like in, in the pushback. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Be careful out there. I, the, the, the lesson that I've learned personally from that experience, Always do not order without front. a menu. Yes. Yeah. Do not order without a menu and confirm the prices in places like that. Now, I probably would have been less suspecting in a restaurant in Mykonos where it's more established than I was in Marrakech. But now I know if there's if you're ever in a situation in a foreign country or anywhere, really, and they're not giving you the menu and they're not confirming prices before you order, it's a big red flag. Yep. Yeah. All right, move on, move on. So this this next one is transportation department poses new rules to make it easier for airline customers to get refunds. And so we, we've talked about this pretty much all summer, how airline industry has been struggling to keep up with demand. They've been canceling flights. They've been changing flights. They've been shifting destinations, the, you know, departure airports. So right now, what this does, it if it causes... Basically, any change causes a significant downgrade in the individual's air travel experience or amenities available on board the flight, you are able to get a refund. So breaking that down, if a domestic flight is changed by three hours or more or changes the arrival or departure, you know, anything like that adds a connection, you're eligible for a refund and you can cancel that flight. Yeah. I, I believe this isn't the end of this discussion either on the transparency between airlines and refunds and compensation for, for missed and delayed flights. It appears that this industry is being forced to be more transparent. And so what I want to do is get a better breakdown maybe for next month on specifics of different airlines and and how you can expect to be compensated. Yep. That's um, that was that one. And the last yeah. one, the last one's an interesting one. It's a mm -hmm. very expensive Mickey D's breakfast. Yeah. So a passenger traveling to Australia brought McDonald's with them, landed in Australia. I don't know where from. So it was from Bali to, to Australia, had a egg and beef sausage McMuffin. I think they don't make that in the United States. Yeah, it we sounds get, delicious, though. Yeah, we don't get beef sausage. So, um, and a ham croissant. Because Australia is so strict with the food items that are allowed to enter the country, and I guess his denial of claiming that item, he was charged $1,800, fined $1,800 for doing so. Yeah, which is, I, mean, I don't know if it was, if this person had intentionally just like 
brought this knowing that it could be an issue that he could be fined or if he thought you know it's a mcdonald's sandwich there's mcdonald's in australia i'm just gonna bring it because i want to eat it later but he ended up costing him about 850 us dollars for the undeclared food which is kind of crazy i mean australia is unbelievably strict because they have their minister for agriculture fisheries and forestry uh murray watts said that this will be <laughs> This guy's most expensive maca's meal, I guess that's what they call it in Australia, this passenger has ever had. And it's basically twice the cost of an airfare to Bali. But he disobeyed Australia's strict biosecurity measure. And those biosecurity measures are in place to prevent pests or diseases from entering in through food and disturbing Australia's natural and native ecosystems. Yeah, which this is a conversation for a different time, but I know Australia's ecosystem has been significantly disrupted by all of the large animals that the Europeans brought back in the day for like hunting. You know, Australia used to start it off as like a exotic hunting resort for the British. Well, and it was also uh, for prisoners. Yeah. So the prisoners came after. So I think first when they discovered it, they started sending like all these giant animals to the island, completely disrupted the ecosystem. And it was like this hunting resort for like rich British people. Then they started sending like criminals there. What? Um, so the the ecosystem has been wildly disrupted. Like a, a lot of the larger animals, I believe, are not native. Uh, like water buffalo. I don't think water buffalo are native. Um, I need to get the sauce you, on all this. Yeah, Google it. Let's let's throw some facts out there before I get in trouble for. Well, I don't think we have everything. the time to do that history research now, but we should do it for the next one to see if you are right. Yeah. Or if it's. Did, did you pull anything up? Uh, I I don't want to go through it. There's too there's too much to read. I got to okay. find a good okay. source. All right. So yeah, well, let's let's try to throw it in there for the next one. Anyway, um, this is something that you should pay attention to. Uh, Elliot, do you follow this rule all the time? I usually like to. I know in the past that I haven't. Yes, <laughs> I've accidentally not accidentally. I've brought. I mean, brought. I've brought uh food back i remember from italy i had olive oil um what else no i did bring so if you go to the duty free and and when i came back from italy i did get most of my items at the airport that i knew would be safe and secure okay you did you declared them no but i mean they're they were duty free items so i got like olive oil a little bit of coffee those items I did not declare the macaroons when I came back from Paris. I believe I should have, but yeah, uh, you should. You definitely should do that. The United States, you can be fined up $10,000 if you bring in certain meats, milks, eggs, and poultry. Um, They're pretty much restricted. So it's important to know uh, the laws and if whether or not you're willing to try to break them. So people do it all the time. I can tell you that when I came back from Costa Rica, this was my first experience with it, and it was probably the most... uh, I guess, strict because Mm -hmm. we were staying on a farm in Costa Rica for over a week. We basically had to like hose down our shoes and clean all of our clothes because, uh, I mean, if you're staying on a farm, the U.S. does not want you bringing any kind of seeds or anything back with you. See, and that makes sense to me. Seeds and different insects. Now, to bring in a sausage mcmuffin from mcdonald's into australia 
what could possibly have been in that to to cause such a stir? Now, if he was bringing in again, like seeds or certain fruits that have the potential to, uh, like like pollinate and and grow in Australia and disrupt no, the ecosystem, I get that. Maybe, I get that. but like an ultra processed McDonald's egg McMuffin, nothing in there is is even natural at that point. But I think I think the point of that is meat, milk, eggs, and poultry are still none of that's in any mcdonald's food (laughs) (laughs) it's all just sawdust yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but i I mean even the cheese cheese on mcdonald's as little as it is real cheese there's still some milk product in there and milk eggs and poultry and meat in general has the capacity to carry some significant you know viruses and bacteria that would not be that could be introduced into an environment sure so i understand it it's the first time, I mean, when I first read this, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then the more I read it, the more I understand it. You know, the more research you do and the more you informed you are, generally, the more you agree with a policy because they've done a lot of thought. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I if I wonder why he didn't just scarf it down, you know, but there you go. Yeah. Okay. Eating it on the plane. Yeah. So that's that's the travel <laughs> bites uh, this month coming up. For our guest podcast this month, we have Valerie Russell. She is the CEO of Do South Travels, which offers guided tours throughout Guatemala. And then we have Marshall Mayer. He's the co-founder of Let's Buy an Island and is the uh, participant in the first successful crowdfunding effort to purchase an island off of the coast of Belize. That was really interesting. Both conversations, awesome. Had a blast talking with both Valerie and Marshall. And eventually, we'd like to go visit both places. Yes. You could probably tag team. I mean, Guatemala is a hop, skip, and a jump away from that private island. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So thank you for listening to the Travel Bites. If you love the show and you want to help support our podcast, we allow you to do that. You can purchase a $1 a month contribution to through uh, buy us a coffee or you can do it non-financially by just sharing the podcast leaving us a review a rating all of that is incredibly helpful and just sharing it with your friends and family so thank you for listening stay safe stay healthy and tune in next week